0: today our gospel, um, our gospel is from my favorite chapter in all the scriptures, uh, Luke 15. It's all about God's mercy. We got a lost sheep, we got a lost coin, and we got a lost son. Um, And it's a lot of beautiful imagery that goes into this. Whenever I hear this story, though, I I can't help but think about uh, a story from when I was a kid. Now, I know I make comments about football season and about sports and all this stuff. My first love is baseball. Uh, growing up, I loved baseball, and we were like a, we were a ballpark family. Um, what I mean, uh, my dad was part of the, the group like would help run the league, like we were there in the beginning of the season to help fix the fields. We were there during the season playing on the fields, and then we were there after the season trying to pick up the fields, right um, We did everything around the ballpark, and I remember but a few weeks before the season would start to get the field in shape to play, there was a handful of dads that were about my age group would come together and they would go out and they would start tilling up stuff and weeding and mowing the grass and all. And whenever we would go, uh, when my dad would go, like all of the dads would bring their sons and we would go play around the ballpark. So we got four or five of us that are, you know, having fun riding bikes, doing these things around the Raceland ballpark. We came around this corner one day and we saw the most glorious thing in the world for an adolescent boy to see, a rock pile. They were going to be resurfacing in the parking lot, but we were like, it was just a pile of rocks that had been dropped off. We were like, oh yeah, endless possibilities. We can play like king in a mountain, so we're just throwing each other down, right? We can dig into it. We can like take rocks and throw it at stuff. We can take rocks and throw it at each other. That's really what we were gonna do, and like we were gonna get in trouble and it was gonna be okay, but the, it was a, it was awesome. So, like we're playing around, we're having our fun, we like trying to build ramps and stuff to like ride our bikes in it, and then falling and, fall in, and uh, having fun. Well, at one point, we see that across the parking lot there is a flatbed truck. And this flatbed truck, what we're gonna do is, is we had a contest going on of who in like 30 minutes could get the most rocks to stay on the bed of the flatbed truck. It takes a lot of skill. Like, you got to have a certain arch to it. you got to throw with the right velocity. We were really studying physics, but, like, it didn't come off that way. But, like, we were out here, and we are like, having our fun with throwing these rocks. And then, all of a sudden, one of my friends looks up and says, uh, he says the magic words, I dare you. Now, as an adolescent, um, the words, I dare you, uh, They mean a couple of things. I I dare you means that there's going to be a bad idea that follows. Um, I dare you also means that whatever you're about to do can get you in trouble if you're caught. And the last thing I dare you means is you can't say no, right? Because it's like the magic words to get an adolescent boy in trouble, and I was good at that. So I dare you to hit the white part of the truck, the cab of the truck. And everybody else was like, I ain't doing it. No, no, man, I I, I, I know I could do it, but I'm not doing it. So I, me, being the big dummy that I am, I'm like, sure, let's go. Grab a rock, polish it up, cock back, throw it. It's flying through the air. It's online. It's perfect. I'm going to nail the door. Oh, no, it's a little bit high. Boom. Glass on the passenger side, shattered. Not my truck. <laughs> not never thought that i was this is going to happen we were having a good day and now all of a sudden it's going and my friends run <laughs> yep so i'm stuck on the top of a rock pile all the evidence shattered window across the parking lot i couldn't have thrown this thing again if i tried right but i messed up i'm alone And I knew nothing else but to run. Ran around, went, like, hide behind a concession stand for a little while, and I was just sitting. The only thing that was going through my mind, the only thing, my dad is going to kill me. It's a lonely feeling. That's a lonely feeling when we know we messed up. And all we can think of is so-and-so is going to kill me. Today's gospel, that's the spot that the sun hits. The reason why I read the longer version is because the short version didn't have the prodigal son. And I'll be honest, I think every one of us is like that younger son sometimes. So let's just break it down. Let's just walk through the story of what, the younger, what happens in the life of the younger son. The younger son, he looks at his father and he says, I want my inheritance, like, look, Dad, I'm sorry. I don't want to live under your roof anymore. I just want my money, and I want to get out. If you don't know this, when, you, when do you get an inheritance? When the person dies. So subconsciously, what he's telling him is, Dad, I wish you dead. Give me my money. I want to leave. And he goes off. And he goes off, and he, he goes off to this place in this far-off country, and he just squanders all of his inheritance. Everything that his dad gave him, everything that his dad worked for, half of his dad's possessions are gone now because he was irresponsible, did something dumb, and it's gone. Now he needs to get a job to try and, like, survive. So what he does is he goes to see one of the citizens of this town, say, you can come and take care of my pigs. Now, if you don't know, in the Jewish tradition, pigs are a major taboo. If you, if you touched pork, if you touched a pig, they were seen as unclean and you were not fit for worship. So it was like the biggest taboo in the Jewish tradition for him to even touch a pig, and instead he's a servant of pigs. So he's the lowest of the low. He the, he's the furthest down on the social status. So this fall from grace of being with this wealthy father to now all of a sudden be in the lowest of the low in a distant country, no one around, and he can barely eat, he hit rock bottom and came to this moment of, I've hurt someone. I've hurt someone that I love. Looks like little me hiding behind a concession stand, you know, 10 years old, thinking, what am I going to do? You see, and this is the spot where we hear this story. At this point, he comes to this moment of of a little bit of sobriety. He comes to this moment of thinking, I can go back to my father's house, hopefully. Like, I can't eat right now. But all the servants in my father's household can. So maybe if I go to my father's house and just say, look, Dad, I'm sorry for what I did. Maybe he'll take me back and I can at least eat. I don't need to be up in the, I don't need to be up with my brother and like up in the, wearing all the clothes and doing all the things, like I just need to eat. So like any kid who's ready to apologize and wants to ask something perfectly, right? Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Let Make me a slave in your house. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Make me a slave in your house. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He's got his scripts, he's got his script memorized. Now this is where in, the, in these parables. See, Jesus does something with parables a lot of times where he takes something and twists it. He takes something and twists it a little bit compared to what the people of the day are expecting. Because think about the context that we're in. At the beginning of the gospel, we hear that Jesus is letting sinners and tax collectors and all these people come by him and be with him. And, and what happens is, is that the Pharisees don't like this. And they're criticizing him. They're like, why are you hanging out with those people? Why are you talking to those people? I mean, I know this doesn't happen today, but back in the day, it was a big deal where people would kind of point and say, why are you talking to them? They sinners. Why are you talking to them? They, 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 they the outcast. And Jesus looks at him and all three of these parables, he actually gives a little twist in it. Right. So the first parable, what he does, he says in the first parable, what what shepherd among you, having 100 sheep and losing one, wouldn't go after the 99. I'll be honest, if I'm a shepherd and my life depends on the 100 sheep that I have, and I lose one, I'm not going to risk 99% of my livelihood to go after 1%. You see, Jesus is twisting it. He's saying that God doesn't work like man works. That God doesn't see like man sees That when God looks at this situation, he sees the lost sheep, he wants to go for them. Even if that means risking the 99. Because by human standards, I'm not going away from my 99. The good shepherd, the story of the good shepherd that we hear right there, is actually kind of, by worldly standards, the foolish shepherd. In a similar way, this woman has ten coins, loses one, and she sweeps the house looking all over. Now the word that they use for coin suggest in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament, that the, the coin that they're talking about was equivalent to about a nickel in our life. So this woman has 10 nickels, loses one, sweeps the house, going all over the place looking for it, finds the nickel, and then has a party with all of her friends and family because I found my lost nickel. For us, we look at that and we're like, was it really, it's, it's not that much. It's not worth that much. It's not worth even going out searching. But what God's saying, what Jesus says, is that God doesn't work like man works. And that no matter how insignificant we might think we are, God's willing to come out and search for us. So now we pick up again with the prodigal son, in this back half of the prodigal son. How is it that Jesus is going to twist the story? Because we have this son, he's on his way home. Now the story that a lot of these Pharisees and a lot of the, 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 the scholars of the law would have known is that this son comes back and he comes to see his father and he looks at his father and he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Please, let me, be your, let me be a slave in your household. And the father looks at him and basically says, Who are you? Be gone. See, the story is supposed to be a story of like a just father, of a just ruler, a just king who looks out above above everybody and can basically even cut off his own kid whenever he messes up. But that's not the story that Jesus tells. See, that's not the story that Jesus wants us to hear today. That Jesus, whenever he says this story, he says one of the most important lines, I think, that gets lost in this scripture is while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and ran to him, while he was still a long way off. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever been a hunter, if you've ever been somebody that like, does that kind of thing, and like if you're not looking for the deer in the clearing that's a long way off, you're going to miss it. If we're not looking for something that's a long way off, we're probably going to miss it. So guess what, while he he was still a long way off my imagination, I have to believe that this father would go out every day, sit on his front porch in his rocker with a cup of sweet tea, right, and he's just staring at the horizon, waiting for his son. From the moment the son left, from the moment the son said, Dad, I wish you dead, give me my money, and I'm going, the father had compassion on him, sat out was waiting for him to come back and the moment he saw him come through that horizon, the moment he saw him clear it, he looks at him and says that's my boy and he was there and I have to imagine that whenever this, son, this father runs up to the son, the, the son starts his script father I've sinned against heaven and against you make me a slave in your house, father I've sinned against heaven still saying it he says it to his dad and his dad says leave me alone no, you're my son you can be nothing else See, this is what God is calling all of us to. God is saying these things to you. He says, I don't care about risking 99 for one. I don't care if you, if you don't believe that you're worth more than you are. And I don't really care what you've done. I'm calling you. God as a good and loving father can't help but be anything other than a good and loving father. So he risks it. He, he's going to risk He's okay with risking whatever it takes to get to you. See the story. Whenever I broke the window, I remember feeling so down, so worried, thinking that my dad's going to beat my butt until I can't sit down for a week. Right? Like I'm so in trouble. And when I ran into it, when I saw him, and I finally confessed to him, like, "Look, Dad, I messed up. We were throwing rocks. I know I shouldn't have. And I broke a window." I'm like, I was, I was cringing, waiting for the swing. Don't worry, buddy, I'm going to take care of it. The same way God looks at us and says, don't worry about the sin. Don't worry about where you ended up. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to send you away to come back into my good graces. I'm going to make sure that the debt you incurred is going to get paid. Don't worry, buddy, I'm going to take care of it. For every one of us that, don't worry buddy, I'm gonna take care of it, is Christ on the cross. Where Jesus looks at us and he says, you know what, I love you this, uh, God looks at us and says, I love you this much, that I'm willing to give my son for you. I love you this much, that I'm willing to risk my son for your sake. I love you this much, that you don't never have to question how much you're worth in my eyes again. And I love you this much that I don't care where you've been, but just come back and be my son. Be my daughter. You see, this is what God is calling us to today. He's calling us back to himself. Now, little father, I've done, I've done some stuff, yeah, but I like to go to confession. Like, I do my thing. It's fine. OK, so maybe we are not the younger son. There is an older son. That older son comes back from the field and been working and been close to his father and never really left and never really did anything too wrong, right? And this older son looks at him and says, "Hey, why he gets the party? He wished you dead, completely just, completely right. Like he he, can, he has every reason to say all these things that he does." I like to believe that if the older son was in was in mass today, two thousand years later, was coming to a Catholic church. The older son would probably be the kind of people that had his pew. And if anybody sat in his pew, I'm gonna sit right behind you and I'm gonna pray through you, not for you, through you, right, like, it's gonna be like a bullet, right? Like, I have to believe that the older son is the one that like, hey, I want people coming back and I'm excited to hear that my my brother's back in the church, but don't get in my way. If we, either one. The father looks at both of them. He has to go out to both of them because whether it's by our sin or by our judgment, either way, we remove ourselves from God's good grace. So we see the father having to go out to both the older and the younger son to bring them back. God comes down to meet each one of us. He steps down to meet each, each one of us, no matter where we fall in that paradigm whether it be judgment or whether it be sin, whatever it is that's holding us back from God, God comes down to overcome it today for us. Very simply, all we have to do is receive him. All we have to do is make the point to say, I'm going to go back to my father. We just prayed it in, this, in the responsorial psalm, that I will, I will rise and go to my father. So today, when we come to communion, when we come to this mass, it's exactly what we're doing. We're proclaiming with our life that I will rise and go to my Father. So let us be bold. Let us us realize that God's love is bigger than any sin, that he's constantly inviting us back. All we have to do is rise and go to our Father.